I'm Kevin Jones. And I'm Chris Moore. And we've started the homos on Haunted Hill so that we can throw a party. A horror film party. <laughs> It'll be quite amusing. There'll be madmen and chainsaws and ghosts and perhaps even a few murders. You're all invited. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Happy last day of Pride, I guess, when this episode airs. So that's oh, yeah. exciting. Yeah. Woo. Oh, it was such a strange month, actually. Yes, it was. Never-ending Pride and uh, so much going on in the world. And I don't even know where to begin with any of that. So we're just going to talk. <laughs> yeah, And it'll be fun. Yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, it's... the movie we're talking about today is not political at all, right? Oh, there's nothing about <laughs> politics. It has nothing to say. It's just it's nothing. light and fluffy, and uh, <laughs> there's just it's it's a little shallow, actually. It's uh, right, right, pr- pr- pretty shallow movie. <laughs> like all the Body Snatchers movies we've covered yeah. this month, um, they've got nothing to say. <laughs> they got nothing to say. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. When we picked these movies, I was like, oh, okay. Like it's going to be a you know, fairly light month that we'll have the energy to talk about all this and then you know of oh. course like the apocalypse hits and uh it, it's okay it'll be fine um, yeah it's like this is hitting kind of close to home now i don't know yeah. <laughs> right every week in 2020 is like oh okay this is the big week of 2020 and then oh no actually this is the big week of 2020 yeah it's it, like it just it keeps you on your toes that's mm-hmm. one one thing i i can say it's a, it's a very unpredictable year it is yeah i suddenly find myself needing to know the plural of apocalypse right mm-hmm. and uh Apocalypsy? I don't know. Apocalypsis? Uh, uh, <laughs> Apocalybi? I don't know. know. Eucalypsis? Apocalypsis? Yeah. Apocalybi? It's a, I don't know. Huh. Yeah, Apocalybi. I like that. That's pretty good. Apocalybi. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a lullaby, know. right? Uh, yeah. Or a, or, or a, a, a syllabi, as they say. A in syllabi. S- Ooh, yes. In in the school days. In the in the hallowed halls of academia. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We, you know, listeners, we debated about, you know, what we were even going to cover to end this month. Uh, it's um, there. We had lots of options, but we felt, you know, it would have been weird not to cover an actual Body Snatchers franchise movie. Yeah, so it's actually in the title. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, it, they're all pretty good. So it was like, you know, yeah. what do we pick here? And I guess we felt like the '78 one has been talked about so much. Like people mm-hmm. consider it just like you know, I guess I, the '56 one gets talked about a decent amount but i feel like in recent years the 78 one has kind of taken over and become sort of the de facto one that people talk about the most um Mm -hmm. yeah uh which you know what is the film we're talking about chris uh it's it's a little scene film called invasion of the body snatchers i don't know if you've heard of it it's it's very obscure tell me more yes i've I've never heard about this movie (laughs) Um, Yeah, so it is the original Body Snatcher film from 1956, a Mm -hmm. hallowed year. I'm not really sure if that's true or not, but I I just like (laughs) I just like to I I just like to say that. Um, And it's it's pretty damn good, actually. I have never seen it, believe it or not. I am appalled to say that. I am ashamed. I should be stoned. You know, the 50s, like, it's not exactly like a, a banner year, a banner decade for horror, you know? You know when it people, wasn't. When it people was talk about... a lot of, like, flying saucers and, like, blobs and... and right. It just kind of goofy stuff. Like, uh, what what was that one about, like, the gigantic 
ants. Was it called like oh, them? Yeah. Yes. Exclamation yes. point. Every film yeah. had like an exclamation point, like Mamma Mia. It was like right. everything <laughs> was just like big and loud and and kind of cheesy. And yeah, like, it's so true. My thing, you know. Yeah, and you had all the like the the William Castle like gimmicky stuff with the three D and. Oh yeah, yeah. I love some William Castle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was a once lot of again go- goofy. You know, very goofy. Yeah, yeah. It, there was there was sort of a charm to this period, but mm-hmm. in general, people don't look back at this period and be like, oh, you know, that was one of the the best decades in horror. Uh, yeah, it I don't think just, they do. I don't know. I mean, um, I'm sure there's someone that does, maybe. Yeah, I mean, th- there. You know, like I said, there are some charming films from this era. I know, uh, IndieWire released this pretty good list of like a hundred horror films, and I, I usually hate those kind of lists because they usually suck. Yeah. But they had some good yeah. stuff on these lists. It was like you know, because they had like Messiah of Evil and um, I, I um, even like Tales from the Hood, which we've talked about in here. So I was like, okay, mm-hmm. like these people seem to know their shit in here. So I was like looking through there, and like they had plenty oh. of films from like the twenties through forties, and then you get to the fifties, and it's like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, House on Haunted Hill. That's it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Oh so man! It's like, I it's mean, just I would at least put like House of Wax on there at least. True, like, true. That's just and, like, me. That's just yeah, uh, you know, thing. And like Diabolique. Um, I don't oh know. yeah, I get. I guess that counts. But but yeah. you know, it's one of those foreign art films. The right. really fancy schmancy. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not a real red blooded American film. You know, mm-hmm. it does not yeah. count. What do those French people know about horror? Right. It's... All they do is smoke and. And have intercourse with pe- people who aren't married. They don't know. <laughs> Tacky. Mm-hmm. Tacky French mm-hmm. people. They're so arrogant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I, I guess that counts, though, right? Cause, I mean, that's a... Because it did actually play here, which is surprising for a yeah. film. I don't know if it was, like, dubbed or not. It might have been dubbed. I, I yeah, can't I, remember. It's, I can't remember either. Uh, I don't know if they had, like, um, a dub... Because those dubs are always so bad. (laughs) They are. (laughs) Because, like, because the actor on screen will just be like, give me my chocolate now. And then the person who's dubbing them is just like, give me my chocolate now. Right, exactly. (laughs) doesn't even fit. Like, what the fuck? So bizarre. Yeah. I'm like, did it, you try was... to match the emotion, maybe? like uh... Right. This was the era of, like, Godzilla as well, which that was, you know, <gasps> yes. with that, it's a, always fun to watch those and to be like, I remember as a kid just watching those and be like, but, like, I don't understand. Like, why does yeah. the mouth not <laughs> line up here? And uh, it's it's a really interesting. And, yeah. Yeah, I guess the, the 50s, for the most part, was kind of the decade of sort of like sci-fi horror like mm-hmm. sort of uh nuclear scare kind of stuff or like we're like something from space is coming at you and then it's gonna grow and turn you into monsters and ants are gonna like explode to like fifty thousand times their size and they're gonna take over the world and right. very like fantastical kind of stuff and uh, you know i I don't have anything against sci-fi. There's some stuff that I like, but it's not really my kind of genre for the the most part. No, that's fair. I I'm so, not a big like, like space opera person. You know, yeah, I I like yeah. I like more like personal sci-fi mm-hmm. films. Yeah. Like um I just watched Gattaca the other day. It's a pretty good one and like oh, right. just films that like don't rely really heavily on, you know, the big elaborate special effects and right. uh, everything else that are a little more down yeah. to earth. Um 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I like space balls. I don't. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that counts, right? <laughs> I, I hope so, because <laughs> with our with our girl Daphne Zuniga, Daphne. right? Yeah. I'm watching you. Yeah, I'm watching. she's she's the best. Oh, Daphne. Hey, girl. Oh, uh, I love her. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, yeah, like you said, the the fifties were sort of the atomic power age, and the mm-hmm. the nuclear. Uh, scares and nuclear families as well and uh, uh yeah and don siegel's invasion of the body snatchers which we were talking about today was the first of four adaptations of jack finney's um, 1954 science fiction novel of the same name well, actually called the body snatchers sorry and um yeah uh this first adaptation went to screen pretty quickly it was within like two years um so that's interesting and then of course we had three films that followed it we had the 1978 adaptation which is probably the most acclaimed like we said uh the 1993 version which is probably the most underrated Um, Mm -hmm. we've talked about that a little bit before uh it's really interesting because it's set on an army base and they do some kind of cool things with tapping into the government paranoia that was going on in the 90s uh and then there's the 2007 film which i don't remember anything about this movie (laughs) other than it has nicole kidman and daniel craig in it I haven't seen it all the way through, but I think I, yeah. I've seen like half of it, and it was the last half. So, okay, um, I do remember thinking it was surprising that it kind of ended on a more upbeat kind of a note, and uh, and yeah. So I remember thinking, well, this is a different direction for one of these things to go, and I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. You know, it, it was. Um, it seemed to be pretty well made. I have the Blu-ray, so maybe I should actually watch the whole thing. But yeah, I've been meaning oh. to dig it up again. Um, yeah, I think most people just kind of forget about it. It's one of those movies yeah. that has just kind of fallen into obscurity. Yeah, but yeah, it could be interesting to revisit at some point. I, I mean, I love Nicole Kidman, so mm-hmm. yeah, at least at least you know she's going to be you know worthwhile. So. So getting into our actual conversation here about Invasion of the Body Snatchers, mm-hmm. uh, we kind of already set the scene a little bit. We talked about the 1950s and um, how it was just a lot of like kind of schlocky stuff and uh, sci-fi horror and everyone was afraid that the nuclear bomb was going to hit. So you saw a lot of these like Godzilla type monster movies where nuclear pro- where everyone's like, yeah, nuclear proliferation has caused a giant monster to appear on the sea or come from That's... space. And it's a... It's, it's it, so had, terrifying. I mean, really, it's right. <laughs> edge of your seat suspense there. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. There were you know films like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, like we're going to talk about, and the the Thing from Another World, and the Blob. Which interesting, you know, all three of those films were remade in the late seventies mm-hmm. and eighties, and really, really good remakes too. So it's oh, and the Fly. I forgot. The Fly. That's yeah, a, that's yeah. a fifties film too. You know, nobody cancel me. I'm not as big on the fly, like it, the 80s version, but um, I appreciate it. <gasps> okay, we're I know, done. I know. I'm disconnecting. <laughs> we're just, is... Here's my thing. Okay, my spiel about this. He, They don't really give him any motivation to get in that machine. It's just kind of like, oh, I'm kind of depressed and my girlfriend left me for a night, so I guess I'll jump into this machine even because though... Because he's God. Because he's, he thinks he's got like he's a God, God com- complex, I think. It's so yeah. absurd, though, because it's like he had just killed how many animals... And like oh, one of just, them, yeah. one of them didn't die, so he's like, "Okay, I guess I'll do this." And and I guess yeah. I just wish that Sigourney Weaver um, got more to do in that movie as well. Um, well, that's because she's not in the movie. Kevin. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, did I, uh, uh, who, who did I say? Who did I mean? You said Sigourney. I was oh, like, yeah. I did not mean that. Sorry. I do wish that she was in everything, but <laughs> she's not in the fly. 
Right. Okay. I think you're, you're Gina Davis G- is what I mean. Gina Davis. <laughs> yeah. I, it's oh my gosh. Both fantastic yeah. ladies. Yeah. It, it's it, again just after revisiting, I was like, she just doesn't get enough to do, and I, I get it. Like it's more about him and his story, but it's like she kind of is just there to get pregnant with his baby, and I, I don't know. I it's one of those movies I appreciate as like a technical like Marvel in a sense, but mm-hmm. as like a personal story, and I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know. Um, I I do kind of run sort of hot and cold on Cronenberg a bit. Like some of his films I absolutely love. And then some Mm -hmm. I'm just like, I don't get it. Yeah. I love the brood. Like I'm a big fan of the brood. The brood is my favorite. That's my favorite of his work. Um, But then there's just like some where I'm like, yeah, that one's okay. Like I never got uh, dead ringers. I always Mm -hmm. thought that was just kind of like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't. Yeah. Wasn't super big on that one either. Um, people love it though i'm like well good for you yeah (laughs) you do you you do you yeah yeah we're not here to tell you have a coke right if you want a coke (laughs) have a coke yeah we're not here to tell you what to what to like folks but we no just telling you what we like yeah um yeah uh where was i so yeah a lot of these films were remade in the 80s and um really good remakes overall uh the 50s were also the time you know of mccarthyism and the red scare um, this is when, folks who don't know, when Senator Joseph McCarthy led a campaign that spread fear of communist influence on American institutions and espionage by Soviet mm. agents. Um, and during this period, like, a ton of Americans were accused of being communists or communist sympathizers. And to a large degree, it was just kind of one big witch hunt used to persecute anyone who was viewed as different or a, potentially a threat, um, which included a lot of queer people. Um, there's... Mm-hmm. Now we call it the Lavender Scare. It was a thing. Um, they used it to keep queer people quiet and, you know, not speaking out against or speaking out for queer issues. Uh, and many people lost employment and destruction of careers and some were imprisoned. Uh, and, you know, some reviewers have you know gone on to say that Invasion of the Body Snatchers was sort of an allegory for this period. However, you know, Siegel, the director, has kind of downplayed that a bit. And I, I read a quote where he said, like, I think the world is populated by pods, and I want to show that. Um, I think so many people have no feeling about cultural things, no feeling of pain or sorrow. The political reference to Senator McCarthy and totalitarianism was inescapable, but I tried not to em- emphasize it because I feel that motion pictures are primarily to entertain, and I did not want to preach. Which is interesting because I think there are some preachy moments in this film, regardless. But (laughs) uh, one particular speech, which we'll get into, I was like, "Oh, you're getting a little didactic here," but that's okay. Oh, I think I think I know which which one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of towards the end a bit where they're in the uh, the doctor's office. Yes, yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and finally, you know, just to remind listeners, you know, the 1950s were still part of the motion picture production code era, aka the Hayes Code. Um, yeah, gross, right? Mm. And that started in 1934 and went on to varying degrees to 1968-ish. Um, and it spelled out, of course, what was acceptable and what was unacceptable content for motion pictures produced in the U.S. Uh, so that meant films couldn't include, like, overt profanity or sex or illegal drugs or excess violence or homosexuality. Like, all the things we love, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. all, the, all the fun stuff. Yeah. All the good stuff. You you couldn't even do it. And no. in in this film, the two leads are divorced, which is so shocking. Shocking, right? But they can't even say th- say, say that. They have yeah. to say, well, I went to Reno 
oh, I was in Reno six months ago. I, like, that was the code for yep. I am divorced. Right, exactly. Yeah, the really smart directors still found ways around these things, and it just had to be subtextual. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's why we as queer people have learned to read a lot of this subtext better than like straight people because we've had to do it for so long. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris, do you have a plot synopsis of some kind here? Yes, yes. Okay. A doctor returns to his small hometown of Santa Mira and begins mm-hmm. to suspect that there's something fishy going on with the residents. Could it be that something that crashed from space is turning everyone into soulless, emotional drones one by one? That is the truth. That's what's happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. Surprise. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody knows the story right by now. That's the thing. It's been told. I would hope in so. <laughs> so many different like pieces of media. It, it's, it's just such a well-known like part of our pop culture zeitgeist at this point. It is. It's like a trope now. Yeah. But at the time, you know, it was pretty revolutionary. And um, I think that's that's the thing when you go and watch an older film, you have to kind of try to put yourself in the era that it was made. And I know a lot of mm-hmm. people seem to struggle with that or they're just not willing to do that. And it's like, it drives you have me nuts. To. And me too. Because it's it like when people go so back nuts. and like attack something like for being, you know, not appropriate for this period or like, oh my gosh, that's so yes. politically incorrect. And it's like, obviously it's politically incorrect. going to say that. Yeah, it's 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 like when people come out and they're like oh the tv show friends oh my god it's so on pc and i'm Mm -hmm. like but at the time you have to understand it was actually a very progressive show right you had a lesbian couple and yeah yeah, a lesbian marriage on tv right network and they were treated with respect you never saw that on Mm -hmm. tv and, you know, there are some things that have not aged particularly well. Right. But at, at the time, I recall that in my hometown, there were lots of parents that, that were like, my kid is not going to watch this liberal trash, mm-hmm. you know? And so it ruffled a lot of feathers on the far right more than the far left. And now right. it's like the opposite, which mm-hmm. is fascinating. Um, and people just can't stop and think, okay, at the time – this was actually pretty revolutionary. I mean, I think with this film, just the fact that you have two characters who are the the leads and they're divorced, which was shocking them. Mm-hmm. That's I, that kind of surprised me because yeah, me it's, it, typically in these kinds of movies, everyone had to be squeaky clean and you know, you know that typical nineteen fifties type of you know person mm-hmm. and so to see something like that you know nowadays would that be particularly shocking of of course not but right. in the 50s that was that was insane right exactly yeah uh, so folks you know try to put yourself in in this era yes. right when when you're watching this because i think it will help and um that's why we try to give a little bit of background about mm-hmm. these periods when we talk about them because it is important to understand yeah. what was going on in the cultural zeitgeist um these films don't exist especially the horror genre in particular mm-hmm. like these films do not exist in a vacuum for the most mm-hmm. part it's um no. there are a representation of the fears that are happening all around people and during the time they were made and very much here as well like we talked about with the red scare and mccarthyism and um uh, invasions from other countries and um yeah uh, there are a lot of different things that came together to create a film like this and um uh yeah i i, I like the film a lot because it has one of our 
favorite tropes, right? The, the small town with a secret. Ooh. Oh, the best. Yeah. And it, it's a really effective setting in general in this small California town, which, fun fact, listeners, Santa Mira isn't a real town, but it is the same location as Silver Shamrock Novelties from Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. So that's a fun little... Eight more days till Halloween, Halloween. <laughs> yeah, Halloween. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So I love that movie. It's so it's so fun. It's really underrated. Yeah. Um, oh. Yeah, so like Casey and the faculty would say, it's all connected, man. <laughs> <laughs> Spielberg, Tarantino, they're all in it. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it's all part of some government conspiracy that to, to take over. And yeah, it's 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 a a fun little connection there. Um, it is. So when the film opens, and we're going to go into our normal like scare discussion here, and uh, we'll be a little more loose about it than we have in the past. But uh, so let's talk about the story and characters a little bit here. When the film opens, you have those really, like, bombastic opening credits, which I, I appreciate with, like, the, the moving clouds in the background. Like, ooh, what's yeah. in the skies? Ooh. Like, is that a screensaver? I don't know what that is. but Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of, like, kind of 40s, 50 noir vibes in this with him, like, giving the the um, monologues throughout over the top oh, yeah. of the story, which I like. Yeah. Like, like it, was a, it was a dark and stormy night, and uh, then she walked into my office. <laughs> It was a rainy day, and then there was a dame with yep. two legs. Mm. Like, I don't, I, don't know what, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> there was a dame, and she, she was danger on two legs. I don't, I don't know. That's okay. You're not a noir writer, right? <laughs> not a noir writer. What if I was? That would what be really if sad. Were. What if you just walked around and talked like that all day? Yeah. All of the townspeople seem to want a piece of Dr. Miles Benno. And uh, mm-hmm. who can blame them? He's kind of a stud. But, he is, uh, yeah. He's kind of he's, quirky. Kind of. He's a, yeah, he's a looker. And it's interesting that we talked about like how um, it, it's fascinating that the film is about these two divorced people. And I think there's sort of the sense of this town before they were turned was sort of a more progressive type place. And uh, mm-hmm. as a result, it it it's not as simple of a place to live and people have more individual freedoms, but I think it's also a more complex and messy place as a result. And that's kind of, I think the theme of this, this film in terms of like free will versus individual rights, you know, um, because when you, uh, uh, where was I going with that? When, when you have free will to do whatever you want, you can get into trouble really easily as a result. And so that can cause bad things, but also like, it's also what makes life worth living and these experiences. Mm-hmm. Whereas when everything is all the same in conformity and like we talked about, like a lot of the films from this era were just about, you know, you had the white heterosexual families um, just acting like these perfect uh, families. Um, you know, that can be comforting to some degree, but it can also be boring as fuck and really repress yeah. and cause a lot of issues. And I think this film does a good job sort of addressing that with this kind of small town that used to be a little more progressive, but is suddenly turning into a conservative uh, paradise, right? It's, it's yeah. Yeah. Because it, it's like, no one really seems to mind that the two characters are divorced. In fact, mm-hmm. everyone seems to like them, you know? Yeah. So there's none of that sort of conservative creepiness right out of the gate, um, where you know they they're 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 kind of talked about in in hushed 
tones like, oh, well, she was married, but then she got divorced, you know, mm-hmm. like they mm-hmm. still do in many parts of this country, unfortunately. Yeah, there's some really charming dialogue between Benel and uh, Miles, that's his name, right? Yes. And uh, Becky. Uh, you know, I, I like the quote that's like, I wouldn't know about love. I'm just a general practitioner. Love is handled by the specialist. I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think my favorite quote, though, is, is something along the lines of, um, well, is that your bedside manner? And then he... <laughs> He's like, no, I'll show you that later. I'm like, oh, yes. we're getting saucy, 1956. <laughs> right. That is scandalous. Well, why don't you come over and see me sometime? Man? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, was this written by Mae West? I don't know. Right. It's, it's weird. I like it. <laughs> With additional dialogue by Mae West. <laughs> she was a script doctor, in case no one knew that. Yes. Actually. Yeah, she, she's a, that's her little sneaky career. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Becky is just kind of gorgeous throughout this whole movie too. Like she has these amazing say, she's dresses. Unbelievable. She's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I I kind of appreciate that the film sort of differentiates the concept of memories from personality because I think mm-hmm. like as humans we are more than just our life experiences. Um right. there's that kind of extra spark of life um that we all have and if you strip that away then suddenly we're just kind of walking talking nostalgia boxes which some people are but <laughs> i have i have met a few yeah I yes have. yes yeah. <laughs> uh, hey remember back when uh things were better no i don't <laughs> like were they <laughs> were they yeah <laughs> I, I do like this though where in a lot a lot of these films when someone is you know turned they just become like very flat and they kind of just talk like this right. and they don't really blink and they're just very bland and have no personality. But in this, it's actually ha- harder to to tell who's been turned. True. Which was kind of interesting because they don't – it's like I guess there's a lack of life in the eyes but they don't really change as much as they do in all the – other ones it's just, yeah it's that's a good point yeah it's it, and i think that's truer truer to real life as well um mm-hmm. you know when you go yeah. to like a con- when you go to a conservative community which um you know i grew up in a conservative community it's it's like people yeah. can be totally friendly and very like energetic mm-hmm. and yeah. but they still have that sort of uniform mindset of like this is how things right. are around here don't do anything that's outside of this and they will turn on you in a second if you go oh, yeah. outside of that like they'll be exactly. nice to your face but like uh, watch out if you do something that is against you know the, the combined values of the community. It's yeah. it's a thing. They're not going to invite you to that barbecue. Mm-hmm. They're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Bunch of dildos. Right. USA is A-OK. <laughs> Amir, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's Once actually a pretty, good, it's a pretty good, a good example of sort of what we're talking actually, about here, though, because yeah, like, those characters really... are all really quirky, but they all you know have that sort of uh, mass uniform mindset mm-hmm. of like this is how things have to be around here our Lutheran society right we drink red Kool-Aid for the blood of Christ <laughs> oh god I love that movie um, I know so good did you notice the like the gay psychiatrist Dr. Kaufman and obstetrician Ed they're just like sitting in that car together with their like hands all over each other it's, uh, it's towards the beginning of the movie it, it kind of came up a bit and, and I thought am I just reading too much into right. this or what i don't know i was it's like hmm quirky choice yeah yeah and the whole time i'm watching this maybe because i just watched pleasantville recently but like it 
Pleasant Bill is kind of an anti-body snatchers movie in the sense that like the repressed yeah. straight people are being turned into more enlightened, free willing deviants. Um, exactly. Which is kind of like the faculty as we decided as well, which is <laughs> interesting. <laughs> See, uh, the, you can feel the influence of this like body snatchers uh, trope like in a lot of different media throughout history. And it's, it's just fascinating mm. how much of that comes back to this influential film. And I love that. It does. Um, I like how Miles, when he finds the pods and everything, he initially assumes that they are the result of some sort of like atomic radiation, because again, that totally plays into the fears of this era, right? That was the fifties. That was the fifties. Um, and I like that. Oh yeah. This is that kind of like super didactic speech that we were, talking about a little bit where he's like, oh, yeah. you know, in my practice, I've seen how people have allowed their humanity to drain away. Only it happens slowly instead of all at once. It happens all, it happens to all of us a little bit. Um, yeah. I'm like, so this movie wasn't intentionally trying to be political. Like I mm-hmm. just, I, I find that really hard to believe. Me too. Me too. It's yeah, just I, cause, cause that speech, it kind of makes me think that like, you know, cause this was 56. So, mm-hmm. It was right when the kind of like um, – when they started to realize that that kind of 1950s lifestyle wasn't quite what it was supposed to be. Right, right. And it was kind of going into the sort of – into the 60s where you know there was all the civil rights stuff and, and I just think that monologue kind of makes me think of that. It's just, you know – that to have this so-called perfect life, you you had to dull yourself to a lot of the real world horror and trauma. And these people dare to stay awake and not sleep on the real horrors of the world. I think that's why there's that whole sleeping thing. Yeah. Is that a lot of people are not awake. They're not woke if you woke. will yes exactly yeah <laughs> um i'll be here all week folks and uh <laughs> and i just think maybe maybe i'm just reading too much into it because after all like they couldn't have known what was going to happen in the 60s but it seems like it's trying to lead up to that in a way i don't no, I think I'm just being weird. <laughs> I don't think so. No, that's kind of what I took from it as well. I think people were sort of living in these little confined bubbles at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, this was also when we started to see more uh, sort of integration of cities and mm-hmm. um, more people were just going to the cities in general from rural life. Uh, so they were being exposed to like all these different cultures and suddenly realizing, oh, maybe there's more than just my little white you know, heteronormative lifestyle. And I think that was a big part of this as well. And starting to, it's, uh, we started to see more um, music by uh, like African-American artists and mm-hmm. stuff that were taking off. Uh, and that, that was easier to do because it was music and people didn't have right. to think so much about like, you know, who was actually singing the song. But exactly. over time that helped to be like, okay, why does all like white people would be thinking like, wow, all these African-American artists sound really great. And like, why is all, all of our music so, you know, boring? Uh, yeah. <laughs> which you see in like a, a film like Dreamgirls really plays. I was just too. about <laughs> to say yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where it's like, got me your Cadillac. And then it's just like, got me a Cadillac. <laughs> right. Right. White guy. Just <laughs> right. They've just slowed the song down so much. And it's just so 
white bread and just exactly bland. It's... yeah <laughs> and then you you have you compare that with like again what was going on with mccarthyism at the time where like everyone was being told you have to be this sort of model citizen at all times mm-hmm. Or else we will ruin your job and career and everything else. And yeah, I think this film, like you said, is sort of uh, um, a reaction to that. Yeah, everything you said, I think, is totally um, valid and accurate. Because I think that does come through a lot here. Whether he intended it or not, I think he did. Especially with this monologue, you know? It's just like, how could you write that and then be like uh we just want to make a film that's just like fluff it's not really like a big deal it's just right. entertainment like yeah there's just there's more to it than that it's just it's so blatantly obvious that they were trying to go for something more than just oh well it's a good story you know yeah for sure for sure after he gives this speech to like it it kind of feels like one big elaborate pickup line because then he's like, we harden our hearts. We grow callous only when we have to fight to stay human. So do we realize how precious it is, how precious it is, how dear. And then they like make out and presumably fuck, right? Because oh, the, yeah. the screen uh, goes black. But when they next are seen, they're just smoking cigarettes like they just fucked. And <laughs> <laughs> it's always fun to go back and watch stuff from this era like i love lucy and just see like how much these people are smoking it's like they were so oh, against God. all these other things but like smoking was just like nope well it this it's good for your health right it's it <laughs> keeps you it young curbs your appetite it's wonderful yeah yeah but you know what i can't really blame them because when you're in this like repressed society what else you got to do but sit around and smoke it's it's a thing. maybe that's what that was about also i you know when they're trying to escape the pod people i can't really fault becky for screaming when she sees the dog because i would do the same yes, thing yes me too i i was like i'd be so screwed right because i would freak out i'd be like save the dog right because dogs like, are way better than humans so dog. yeah gotta protect them I, I wonder if they have to turn the dogs too though i don't know like, <gasps> that's a good question could there be like like homeward bound like the body snatcher edition? You know, there could be. Yeah, yeah. Disney um, Plus <laughs> coming soon. Yeah. Homeward bound body snatcher stuff. Body snatcher. <laughs> Zombie dog, right from last yeah. week. <laughs> oh man, there's a market. I'm sure. I, I'm sure there's a market for everything, right? It's it's. Oh yeah. As we're finding in this day and age. Um, oh God, yeah. Then they hide in this mine, which is kind of straight out of My Bloody Valentine. I kept waiting for Harry Warden to pop up and tell them to get the hell out of his off his lawn, right? <laughs> I'm hibernating until Valentine's. <laughs> Valentine's. Go have a brewski. I don't know. <laughs> and I like how one guy in the angry mob is just like, "It's okay, we're not we're not going to hurt you." And I'm like, "Again, who the fuck do they think they're fooling? Like, yeah. they're obviously going to be murdered. They know this by now." We we know what you do, right? Don't don't try to fool us with your promises of world peace. It's Lying we know what asshole. you're really about. And then, like when they're in that mine, like they hear this kind of chirpy, obnoxious soprano serenading music in the background, and I'm like, <laughs> is this really the most beautiful thing you've ever heard? <laughs> because it sounds like a drunk Princess Aurora from Sleeping Beauty to me, but. <laughs> I know you exactly exactly I wonder I wonder yeah it's 
God, it's so it's awful. Like, so I think maybe he should have just stayed where he was instead of going to check that out. But yeah. I mean, I would go check it out just to see if I could stop it. But yeah, that's <laughs> right. really the only Could you turn it go. down down there? <laughs> I'm trying to sleep in my mind. Yeah, <laughs> I just don't. Oh man, yeah. Mm-hmm. What what passed for beautiful music back then is uh pretty tragic. Yes, yes, yeah. So he goes to check out this this whatever that that song is and uh when he returns sadly we we see that becky has been turned into one Mm. of the pod people this is sad uh it's kind of sad yeah the way she reacts though is interesting because like you said not all of them sort of behave the same way some of them seem like mindless drones but she is really kind of just pissed and she's kind of like stop acting like a fool you idiot like this is happening yeah it's kind of scary yeah yeah I, i i i get the sense that like Meg Tilly, when she was preparing for the role, like, she saw this and was like, okay, how can I do this but, like, make it a little bit different in the yeah. 93 version? Because it does kind mm. of have that energy of, like, it does. like stop acting like a fool, like, this is going to happen whether you want it or not. But she just chose mm. to play it a little bit differently in sort of a yeah. deadpan way. Um, and the whole, like, don't go to sleep angle kind of remind me of, like, Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Um, Definitely. You know, with, like, so I can see potentially maybe Wes Craven be kind of influenced by that as well where like you're going to sleep and that's the thing that ultimately strips you of you know who you are and to some degree kills you yeah and um I think that is so primal because we all have to sleep at some point so the fact that that's when they get you like that's to me that's the scariest part because I love sleep yeah, so yeah. I'd be screwed, just like yeah. the damn dog. I mean, that's those would be the two things that would bring me down. Mm-hmm. It's like I need my sleep, and I want to protect the animals. Yeah, and then the ending is interesting. Um, like we talked about, there were some changes to what they originally wanted. What we get is sort of, I wouldn't say a happy ending, but it's kind of a bittersweet yeah. sort of thing. Um, it's uh, it's ambiguous yeah, to an yeah. extent. Um I, I I don't like the prologue and the ending, and I'm assuming the whole like voice over thing was in included with this thing. I assume, yeah. Um, it just it feels very studio tacked on. Um, yeah. Because one more thing about the production code was that they could cut things because of the tone. Right. So if if they thought that an ending was too depressing, they would say, no, we're not going to do that. You're going to have to change this so that it leaves them more uplifted, which, you know, not every story needs that kind of an ending. And this one in particular, I don't think needs that. And it just feels weird. It feels very icky. And I, I, I'm assuming the original ending was him in the traffic, just screaming at e- yeah. everybody, which that's is what, a great ending. Right. I, I, I write a little bit about that, and that's kind of what they said, that that was going to be the initial ending, and that, of course, it wouldn't have had the epilogue or the um, prologue. And I, I guess sometimes when they show this film, there is a version that doesn't have those included. I don't know if they just, like, that's manually cut told. those off or if it's... Yeah. Because I do think, yeah, it would be generally a more effective film. Um, because it really captures that sort of hopelessness of everything. It does. But they kind of went the same route with, like, the faculty, like we talked about, where it seems like they mm-hmm. added that epilogue after the fact. And yeah. 
it, it, it does kind of cut things down a little bit. Although in the faculty, it's, it's, it's a really kind of happy ending. Whereas this one, at least they keep some sense of ambiguity. Where like, yeah. Because they, like, they call it the, the FBI. might work, but they yeah. might not. Yeah, they call it the FBI, but like, is it too late at this point? You know, exactly. has, have these pods spread too far? Like, we don't know. In that way, it also reminds me of Halloween 3 a bit too. Because it kind of mm-hmm. has that similar, like, is he going to stop this in time? Yeah. And you don't really know. Um, and so it's effective enough. Like, I wouldn't say that the this, this studio ending is horrible. I mean, no. God knows I've definitely seen worse. But it, it does kind of – it sort of sweetens it a bit too much, I think, where yeah. I kind of like that it could have just, just been him screaming at everybody <laughs> just, you know, as they just barrel – past him not caring at at right. at all just like who's this crazy man i like right. that um yeah me too but you know i don't run a studio what do i know no and i think that would have been more especially in the in the 50s <laughs> yeah in the 50s <laughs> i think that would have been more true to life as well because a lot of times you know we we talked about how like the protagonists of these films can be read as story of the others and a lot of times mm-hmm. when the others like such as queer people are screaming for help we are ignored, you know? It's, exactly. It's, everyone yeah. just looks the other way, and that's kind of what's happening in that scene where all the interstate uh, cars are just driving right by him. Like, they see that something is wrong here, but nobody is stopping to help him at all. It's no. it's a it's a thing. And I'm sure many of them are aware that, you know, it's uh, uh, just in real life anyway, that a lot of people are aware that, like, shit is bad for these people, but, like, they just can't be bothered, you know? It's like they have their right. own problems, so they decide that they're just not going to mess with it. And it's it's... It, that's an even scarier message because it is more real. It becomes a stronger statement with a film it like does. this. Um, yeah. Because it becomes sort of a precautionary tale of sorts of like, if you mm-hmm. don't address these issues that you've seen on screen soon, this is going to happen to you. Right. Whereas if you get the happy ending, then it's like, oh, it's okay if you keep ignoring these because everything will turn out fine anyway. Like <laughs> Exactly. So. Yes. That's why it always kind of feels a little cheap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you're like, what is this trying to say now? Yeah. Like, even with the faculty, I'm like, what is this movie trying to say? Right. Like, I still don't really know. Like, it's a good time. Yeah. Yeah. I had a great time, but what like what's the point really yeah i think you if know, they would have sort of... they left off that epilogue it would have done uh, it would have been more effective in general but yeah. um I mean, it's still some questions regarding the whole um mary uh uh louise hutchinson bit but yeah um, it's yeah it's it's been interesting to see how these different films approach um this body snatcher angle and how some mm-hmm. of them are more willing to sort of in, embrace the darker endings and some of them have been like nope that's too dark for America can't handle that and it's like yeah, yeah. give give us some credit you know it's uh, yeah, I wish they would yeah uh let's see some artistry and revelation stuff here um I don't have too much but just you know I think the cine- cinematography is pretty straightforward but effective mm-hmm. um I like the oh, shots yeah. near the end when uh Miles and Becky are like running up that giant labyrinthine staircase outside and they oh, do yeah. they do a pretty good job like tracking as that's happening and it, it was well done. Um I would agree. I love the way that it's shot. I love black and white. Yeah. Um yeah. 
And uh, I'm really depressed that a lot of people just don't seem to like black and white films. They're like, it just looks old. I know. I'm like, no, just give it a shot, please. You know, it's perfect for, for especially a film like this where. You know, we talked about how Pleasantville is kind of the the anti version of this. So with this, it makes mm-hmm. perfect sense that it's in black and white because it's like they're sort of being stripped of like who they are, and it, it really plays right. that up to have it in black and white. Not that, that not that that was really the intent because you could only really film in black and white at the time, but now mm-hmm. to watch it, it kind of plays that up even more. And right, um, and I like the close up shots of him on the interstate at the end as well. That's really creepy and tense. Oh, and, I love that. Yeah, yeah. The music score in this film is kind of out of control. It's a little bombastic. It is very bombastic. They all kind of were back in the day. Right. It was that big orchestral, like, you know, craziness. Yeah, people talk about how, like, oh, Marco Beltrami, like, ruined horror scores. And I'm like, uh, let's go back a little bit further. <laughs> like, yeah, like the, the 1950s had some doozies. Yeah, it's pretty, honest. yeah, over the top. and, and yeah, um, Nothing really subtle about it. I think my favorite musical moment is um, when the Kaufman is talking to – with the possessed Kaufman or whatever is talking to uh, um, uh, Miles. And he's like, you're forgetting something, Miles. You have no choice. And then you just hear this, like, bashing on the piano. It's like, bum, 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 bum. The kind of practical effects in this hold up pretty well for the most part. Um, they do. I think the the pods themselves look pretty creepy. Mm-hmm. And um, the the only part that kind of got me a little bit is... <laughs> It's it's when he sees like one of the half formed people and it looks like a like a crash dummy of some sort and he's just like poking it oh, with yeah. like the uh pitchfork and I'm like the, mm, yeah, okay. The, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean all things considered, I mean it's uh, considering 56. Yeah, for 56 pre- it, it holds pre- up pretty quite strong. Well. Mm-hmm. Pretty damn strong. Yeah. And uh, we talked a little bit, but I think the pacing is pretty solid in this. It's it's mm-hmm. a really short film, y'all. It's it like it's it's, it's eighty, 80 minutes, minutes, but like if you take out the credits, it's probably like seventy five ish. So it's it's yeah. a really fast yeah. watch, and that helps with the pacing as well. Yeah, yeah. I think there are aspects of this film that could have been more fleshed out in that regard, um, with like mm-hmm. the characters and their relationships and everything. But I think as sort of a, a statement film, like it's pretty effective, and as like a thriller, um, it it's. It's not necessarily a character first time. It kind of is, but I, you don't get a sort lot of, of like background information on these characters. And I, I yeah, you I, it's really fine. Don't. Like you know, it's I, I in some in some instances, like I think the seventy eight one does better job of that of really mm-hmm. fleshing out the characters a bit. And that film is a longer film. It's like I think closer to two hours or it's over. It's pushing too. I think yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there are instances where. I think you can let things breathe a little bit. I, I think especially with like psychological thrillers and any sort of film where you have that's more character focused, I think you need that extra time. But if you're just doing like you a do. tight thriller like this, like I think mm-hmm. shorter is fine. It's uh Oh yeah. Yeah. Um did you have anything else with the artistry here? No. Okay, cool. I just yeah. I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, me too. Because especially with it being so short, it is a really easy mm-hmm. watch and um Oh yeah. It wasn't tough to watch at all no not at all and um yeah i think some final evaluation things here you know i I think it's a really effective paranoia thriller like we said there's a lot of shared dna in here with even something like the stefford wives in the 70s um which we talked about and even though there's not a whole lot of like violence or like physical intimacy i think i was still really hooked for the most part you know from start to finish and they do a good job sort of implying certain things like you said with the divorce and um 
with them ha- probably having sex at one point, even though they oh, can't yeah. come out and say it. But yeah, I, I just think it's a, a very effective little thriller. Did you have any final evaluations? I think it is it is tight and it's taut yeah. and it's uh it's nonstop scary and sexy as hell. <laughs> not quite hip, but <laughs> it's not hip, but yeah. <laughs> but still nonstop scary. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Mr. Weinstein, you can't yeah. use that quote. Um, yeah. Hip hip was actually in- invented in the nineties, so they didn't come up with it that. It had to have been because everything was hip. Everything hip, was hip. hip. Yeah. Um, Although I'm sure this was very hip at the time. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. This was yeah. probably like that cool beatnik culture film that everybody yeah. had to see and yeah all the kids were going to go into the drive-in to see yeah it stuff, you know? man yeah. yeah yeah it was it was fun to go back to this era we probably won't go back too much because again there's not a lot of like classic films from this era but there are a couple that are definitely worth revisiting from time to time and oh god we're gonna get so much heat for that <laughs> i know i know but i i be like truth, I'll, i will have you know that that frankenstein is a masterpiece uh, and dracula is the best movie ever made but like yeah even those were earlier than this yeah I, I, like i'm not oh, bashing yeah, on yeah. like early films but even just like the right. 50s in general were not yeah right yeah it's, i uh, mean the 50s i can name like five movies i really like yeah 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 really. It's a. It's kind of like the early '90s. Like, was there right. that much that was really that good? Right, right. Although that that's an interesting period that I have been kind of thinking about more and more. And I, I just I think that people, the main reason people I think say that era was not good for horror is because they're not willing to look at like the erotic thrillers or the psychological thrillers. Oh, of which, well, now if those count, then yeah, right. A lot. It's like it's like <laughs> if you're willing to count those, then I think it was actually a pretty good era. Yeah. But like if you're just looking at like the blood and gut slashers, then sure. Oh um, no, yeah that yeah. that was kind of that was kind of crack crappy yeah, then, but sure. yeah those those uh those like hand that rocks the cradle types yeah, those yeah. were fun those yeah, were v- yeah. very fun. But see, I just don't consider those to be horror because sure. at the t- at, at the time they were trying so hard to pretend like they weren't. <laughs> They're right. like, no, no, it's not a horror film. It's a psychological thriller because I want a shot at an Oscar and they're not going to give that to me if I say it's a horror movie. You know, it's like, that's kind of, that's what I always think about when someone says psychological thriller. I'm just like, you just want an Oscar. <laughs> that's all you want. I don't right. know why. but it's I just, think that's fair. It I, goes I just, there. I just think that they should be sort of part of the discussion more anyway, you know, because I think especially with the erotic thrillers like that, like that's right. a good example of like some really like badass women in these films too. And oh, to God, yeah. ignore them as like, it's like, why do we consider like whatever happened to baby Jane, like a horror masterpiece of sorts? Like not everybody does, but then a- we're not, a- exactly. but then we kind of ignore some of these other ones. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just think there's some weird like double standard things with that. Sometimes um, I, I get you know, the arguments for why some of these things are the way they are. But, and, and, and some of it, it's just like the misogyny type thing that we talked about too, where it's like, why do people ignore like what lies beneath and all these films from the mm-hmm. early 2000s? And it's, it's a whole complicated mess of things where like the straight bros have always been guiding this discussion. And I'm always like questioning yeah. things now of like, do I actually believe that? Or do I believe that because I was told that, you know, I, yeah. I, I still see people like arguing sometimes about like, is this horror? Is this not horror? But it just seems like because there are so many yeah. branches at this point that I think people, I don't know, maybe are a little bit less open. Maybe it's, maybe it's more so. I, I don't know. It's hard to read, man. Oh God. People, people who need people. Mm. <sighs> are not the luckiest people. In the world. <laughs> not <laughs> luckiest, as we've seen in this film. <laughs> Oh, man. 
yeah, this was, this was fun. Uh, this was kind of a, an interesting way to end out our Body Snatchers month. We went back and to the sort of OG Body Snatchers movie, and there's still a lot here that really works really well and is really effective and has been extremely formative for so many other films. Oh. Uh, let's close things out with our little Overlooked Gems segment. We haven't done that for a while, so let's go back to that. Um, do you want to start? Oh. Uh, sure, yeah. I, mine this uh, week is The Hole, starring Thora Birch and Kira Knightley. Good one, yeah. And uh, this came up on a Facebook discussion earl- earlier this month, and mm-hmm. I thought about it, and I, I haven't seen it in years but i'm like no one talks about this movie and it's yep. so good yeah it's um it's more of a thriller i guess right. oh god we're gonna go in i know into that argument yeah into yeah that again yeah. um <laughs> it's psychological right <laughs> um and it was kind of dumped onto dvd in like 2004 to 2005 um and it's really unfair because it's really great it's but it's just it's kind of hard to advertise it's it's kind of like because is it a horror movie is it a thriller is it like a teen angst drama it's uh it's a lot of stuff but it's um it is about these kids at a posh british boarding school Mm -hmm. who decide to lock themselves in a underground bunker to have a party and uh things get kind of crazy when the guy who was supposed to let them out doesn't show back up and they run out of food and water and start to go a little a little bit nuts it, it's kind of a lord of the flies-esque i would oh, say oh yeah very much so yeah and uh the acting's great and there's a lot of twists and turns and and i highly recommend it that's a good one yeah i really like single location horror films like that where it, the, the mm-hmm. sense of claustrophobia throughout uh definitely stuff like autopsy of jane doe and um pontypool and um mm-hmm. Yeah, even even like ten. I I wasn't as big on that ten Cloverfield Lane as some people, but I appreciated the like claustrophobia of it anyway. Yeah, yeah there's some good ones out there, and um, my I kind of hopes like it would end with him just being insane. But yeah. then you know, like nope. I would have preferred that, but <laughs> but then it's like no, we still got aliens for That's all you thing. bros out there. That's the problem with them calling it Cloverfield because you knew coming yeah. in that it was going to be about aliens. You know, I know. Uh, I was like, what if this is just a big prank? That would be so amazing. Right. And there's no aliens. And then right. I was like, oh, but it's called Cloverfield. They're not going to just not have that. Right. Yeah. It's, it was a and, thing. Uh, yeah. Um, mine is kind of in a similar vein as yours. It's um coherence from 2013 um oh i haven't seen that it's it's really solid and um it's okay this is kind of the plot synopsis here but on the night of an astronomical anomaly eight friends at a dinner party experience a troubling chain of reality bending events it's a really good kind of psychological mindfuck mystery thriller and it's all kind of in one location like uh the whole like you said it stars emily baldoni Maury Sterling and Nicholas Brendan, who was um, in Buffy the Vampire Slayer as Xander Harris. Um, there's a lot of like twists and turns throughout and some like Lovecraftian, Lovecraftian stuff. And uh, it definitely has that kind of mass paranoia vibe like we talked about with a lot of these Body Snatchers movies. And I just, I, I really enjoy it. It's, it's one of those mil- films that was clearly filmed on a really low budget, but they do a lot of really interesting things with it. And I think it was one of my favorites from last decade. And it's another good example of like, Technically, it's sci-fi, but, like, not, like, aliens and, like, spaceships or anything else. It's more of a psychological um, thriller that has sort of elements of uh, 
I would call it more Lovecraftian, really, because it's dealing with, I don't want to say too much, but like some reality bending stuff. And I really like it a lot. And so check it out, folks. I'm going to need to watch that. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. And uh, that about wraps up our Body Snatchers month here. I guess we can go ahead and announce what we're going to be doing next month. Um, Ooh, drum roll. Yeah, I know, drum roll, right? Um, <laughs> so I, I think the title we're gonna, we came up with is uh, Cruising Month. Woo! And oh, that is, it's not what you it's not what you think it's it is. It's not what you think it is. Uh, so we're gonna go to a bunch of bars and <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna interview some pe- people. Right. Uh, Sylvester Stallone is gonna expose. pop up and. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm not Sylvester. Uh, Al, P- Al Pacino is what I meant. Al Pacino is going to pop up. You and with names today. I, I just cannot with these names. It's a thing. Oh, man. Now, if Sigourney showed up, that would be great. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I Sylvester this... and Sigourney. That is the bu- buddy cop film we That's what I want to see. That's what I want to see. I have this weird thing with names, actually. Like, you know how people have, like, face blindness? blindness? Sometimes I'm like, oh, do yeah. I have name blindness? Because I know exactly who I'm talking about, but it's like, I just say someone <laughs> else's name, even in real life. So, oh, well, it's a thing. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, we are doing a month of road horror. Wee! Mm-hmm. Road horror. Yeah. We thought this would be good because, you know, so many people are still stuck inside for the summer. And um, what better way to combat that than to watch people get tortured and murdered on roads? Yay! So you won't feel as bad if you right. can't drive to Florida. You right. Know, because if you do that, you might get killed. Right. So there you go. It puts things into perspective, right? And it makes you grateful for what to you help have. Because you. you're, you're not out there on the road getting yeah. stalked by yeah. Um, yeah, At people. least someone doesn't have on your boyfriend's face yeah. and is yeah. ch- chasing you. That's always a plus. Right. Know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm excited about that. We will be announcing the first film very soon. So, uh, make sure to follow us on social media. We always announce what we're going to cover there. And our social media is Instagram, homos and haunted hill and Twitter and Facebook at H O H H podcast. Um, yeah. In the meantime, you know, uh, thanks for tuning in this week and I hope invasion of the or body snatchers month was a lot of fun. We had a good time. Yeah. We sure did. We had some great guests and everything. That was great as well. Um, we did. I think for the for the foreseeable future, it's probably going to be just us two. So sorry about that, but that's okay. <laughs> we hope you like us because you're stuck with us, right? You're stuck with us for a while here, <laughs> and uh, we might bring some guests in for some bonus episodes that we do at some point. But um, yeah, uh, thanks everybody, and um, we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. Okay, bye.